Testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Jen Camp sues Radio Free Mormon. Yes, me, Jen Camp, now after failing to get me disbarred in her repeated requests for that to the Washington State Bar Association. After she's failed in getting me disbarred, now she's going to try and sue me civilly. And she hasn't brought a new lawsuit against me. Instead, what she's trying to do is in the civil lawsuit that John DeLynn and OSF, Open Stories Foundation, filed against her in Utah for defamation. She wants to file counterclaims against John DeLynn and OSF, and she wants to add me as a counter defendant so that she can sue me personally. And not just me, but also Gerardo Sumano. The reason I know that is because I have a copy of her motion for counterclaims against OSF and against uh, John DeLynn and her request. It's in the same document to add me to the case as a counter defendant so that she can sue me as well. Let's go through this, shall we? I'm going to put it up here on the screen like so. Now, you'll notice in the upper left-hand corner, it says Pro Se. Pro Se Jennifer Ruth Camp. I have deleted her address and her email address, which is also con uh, contained there out of respect for her privacy. But this is on a public document. Her home address is on a public document, but that doesn't mean I feel like I need to go broadcasting it to a wider audience. The Pro Se part is interesting because Jen Camp is now representing herself. That's what pro se means. She's representing herself. What happened to her attorneys? One might ask. Well, it seems that within the last few weeks, her attorneys withdrew from representing her, leaving her on her own. Yes, the cheese stands alone. And apparently the reason that they withdrew is because they got all the money that she was willing to pay them. And she doesn't have any more, at least none that she wants to pay attorneys for. So they parted ways a few weeks ago. Now she's representing herself and now she's filing this titled document, Defendant Jennifer Camp's motion to seek leave to file a counterclaim and add additional parties. And those additional parties, as I mentioned, are myself as well as Gerardo Sumano. Now, I have not been following this case that closely. I know that it was filed almost a year ago down in Utah. And I know generally that it's been proceeding through the discovery phase. Depositions have been held. Interrogatories have been propounded. Answers have been given. Motions have been scheduled and ruled upon by the judge. And just the normal kind of stuff that you would expect in any case after it had been filed. But this is not the first motion that Jen Camp or her attorneys have filed to ask the judge to allow them to file counterclaims. Now, typically, typically in a case, it's very, very common, right? A claim is made against you and you file a counterclaim against the person who is suing you. It happens all the time. The most obvious and simple example would be if a landlord wants to get rid of a tenant, they file a lawsuit to get him evicted. And very frequently, the tenant now comes back and files a counterclaim against the landlord and says, well, you are a crappy landlord and this doesn't work and the toilets are plugged and there's mold in the in the apartment, all these other things in order to offset the damages that the landlord is trying to get against the tenant. So this kind of thing happens all the time. 
Here in Utah, though, apparently, they didn't file their motion to be allowed to have counterclaims against John DeLynn and OSF until after the deadline for doing so had passed. I'm not sure what that deadline is in Utah, but my understanding is that they didn't get around to doing this until after the deadline had passed. And because of that, the judge, Judge Faust, Judge Robert Faust, a relation, I believe, to the former member of the first presidency, President Faust, he denied their motion. So he says, no, I'm not going to allow you to file counterclaims because you missed the deadline. My understanding is, is that Jen Camp's attorneys then filed a motion to reconsider, which is, yeah, please, would you do it, please? And the judge denied it the second time. So now Jen Camp's attorneys have withdrawn and she's filing the same motion a third time and hopes that the judge is going to grant it when he's already denied it two times previous. Now, the one thing that's new on this is that she's asking that I and Gerardo be added as co-defendants or counter-defendants. So that part's new, but I don't see any reason why a judge should grant this motion when he's already denied the prior two attempts to do the same thing. Let me go to my screen that has this on it. So I can scroll down and you can see that this is the original lawsuit, Open Stories Foundation and John DeLynn plaintiffs against Jennifer Camp, defendants. And we've already read the title, it's Judge Robert Faust, and that's the case number. So let's go through this. I'm not gonna go through all 49 pages, by the way. This is the stuff that we've already covered in prior episodes regarding her allegations against John DeLynn and how it is that she feels that she was uh, abused, harassed, whatever it is that she has alleged. I'm not going to go through that again because 49 pages, most of which is stuff we've covered before, doesn't make good radio. So I do want to read the first part, though, because that's where I appear. And where I appear is where it's also redacted. Defendant counterclaimant Jennifer Camp pursuant to Utah Rule of Civil Procedure 13, hereby counterclaims against plaintiff's counter-defendants, Open Stories Foundation and John DeLynn, and respectfully submits this motion to seek leave to add a counterclaim and additional parties in the above-referenced case. Blank, i.e., Radio Free Mormon, Doe 1, and Gerardo Sumano, Doe 2, all shall be collectively counter-defendants, or individually as indicated above as follows. Here's where she puts it in. Radio Free Mormon and Gerardo Sumano have been named pursuant to evidence founded, founded in the last few weeks. I think she means found. In the last few weeks regarding discovery from plaintiffs and the depositions of DeLynn and Gerardo Sumano. Now, notice this. What is happening is that her, plaint, her attorneys have withdrawn. She's going through the discovery, which one would presume she would have gone through before when the attorneys were representing her. Certainly, she had every opportunity to do so. But now she's going through it after her attorneys have withdrawn and she's claiming to discover all the stuff that her attorneys didn't see. And based on that, she's asking for the judge to allow her to add me and Gerardo to this lawsuit. While knowing the truth of evidence, plaintiffs DeLynn and Open Stories Foundation, Radio Free Mormon and Gerardo Sumano have defamed Camp and knowingly spread lies about Camp and evidence of this lawsuit forming an untrue narrative and defamation of character. Well, I will say right now, I have not spread any lies about Jen Camp. All I have done is reported the truth of what's been going on. And apparently she doesn't like that for some reason. And maybe it's because it makes her look less than truthful. 
Now she gets to this part of the motion, which is titled Parties, Jurisdiction, and Venue. In order to sue me in Utah court, she has to show that the Utah court has jurisdiction over me. Makes sense, right? For example, counterclaimant is an individual residing in Salt Lake County, Utah. That's she. So she's talking about her jurisdiction. She has jurisdiction to bring this lawsuit because she lives in Utah. And then she goes to Open Stories Foundation and counter defendant John DeLynn is an individual residing in Salt Lake County, Utah. You see, you have to show that. Otherwise, the court in Utah doesn't have jurisdiction over the case or at least over the parties. Better put. Counter defendant Gerardo Samano is an individual residing in Salt Lake County, Utah and Davis County, Utah, and whose principal office or place of business is in Salt Lake City, Utah. See, that's necessary to have jurisdiction over the party. Where it gets really weird now is when it comes to me in paragraph six. Counter defendant Radio Free Mormon is an individual residing in Summit County, Utah and Washington State. Washington State doesn't make any difference. I do reside in Washington State. That's not enough to give a Utah court jurisdiction over me. So she adds the part about that I'm residing in Summit County, Utah. When I read this the other day, by the way, this was filed on Monday, January 15th of 2024. Today's date is January 19th, 2024. When I first read this, I said, where is Summit County? I don't even know where Summit County, Utah is. I have never lived in Summit County. I've never lived anywhere in Utah. The closest I've ever gotten to living in Utah was two months I spent at the Missionary Training Center over 40 years ago. So I have no idea where Jen Camp came up with this, but it's patently not true. And if you're representing yourself or if you're an attorney representing somebody else, bottom line is you shouldn't be making allegations to the court in writing that are patently untrue, that you made up out of whole cloth. And that will be demonstrated to be so if this motion proceeds. All right. So I'm going to go now oh, to page three, paragraph 12, because she also adds this idea. This court has personal jurisdiction over Radio Free Mormon because on information and belief, it does, and at all times material here too, has been conducting business in the state of Utah. I have not conducted business in the state of Utah either. What happens is I do podcasts. I put them up under the Mormon Discussions umbrella, and anybody anywhere in the world can access those and listen to those. I am not doing business in the state of Utah. I do business in the state of Washington, which is where I'm located, but not in the state of Utah. I am not projecting my podcast out to people in Utah. In other words, specifically directing business to people in Utah or any other state. So I don't think it can be said that I'm doing business in Utah. That's a little bit of a closer issue. Instead, I do business in Washington state and put up podcasts, which people from around the world, anybody can access those, but you don't have to be in Utah to access those, if that makes sense. Okay. Now going on from here, I'm going to scroll, scroll through the first part of this, which is just a recapitulation of allegations she's made before. I'll just read the headings. Okay. First part is camps management of OSF, Open Stories Foundation events. These are the general allegations. 
counter defendants offer of employment that would be osf offering to employ jen camp back in january of 2022 camp's employment with osf begins the salt lake tribune article is released camp starts co-hosting the mormon stories podcast John DeLynn encourages Camp to host a podcast segment. That's a long one. And now we're going to get down to, eventually, paragraph 115. Here we go. Now this is, excuse me. This is some of the new stuff now that's added, and it's about me. That's why I want to focus on this. Paragraph 115, page 20. On November 16th, 2022, so this is after she's been fired, Delin's employees and con Delin's employees and contracted persons of Open Stories Foundation relying on his, John Delin's fabricated story and bogus evidence. Yes, she accuses John of fabricating evidence. And DeLynn's manipulations started a smear campaign to defame Camp. These individuals included Radio Free Mormon, known as Radio Free Mormon or RFM, Kara Burrell, Samantha Shelley, Gerardo Sumano, and then Maven. And she gives the first and last name of Maven, which I'm not going to allow to be public here because she wants to keep that protected. She misspells Maven. It's M-A-V-E-N for future reference, Jen and individuals operating and conspiring behind pseudonyms. On February 8th, 2023, Dillon released the August 30th, 2022 private board meeting to Radio Free Mormon. The private video contains sensitive information about the child sexual abuse she experienced in the LDS church, her children's personal information and location, one being a minor child, and the identity and residence of her parents. Yeah, largely not true. And I put the entirety of that board meeting, once it was made public because it was filed with the lawsuit that John DeLynn and Open Stories Foundation filed against her, a link to that video on YouTube was included. So I accessed the link, I accessed the YouTube, and then we downloaded it or uploaded it or whatever it is you have to do with that, technically speaking, so that we could release it at the Mormon Discussions and Radio Free Mormon website. It's been up there now. For many months, it's gained a lot of attention. And Jen Camp really, really doesn't like that it's up there because it shows that many of her allegations about what happened during that meeting do not correspond with the video of the meeting. In other words, she's be, being shown to be untruthful in her account of what it is she's saying happened in the, the video. I released the video, no commentary about it, and that's all. But that's what it is that she wants to uh, complain about in this paragraph. Um, paragraph 117, there's uh, my name, known as Radio Free Mormon, or at least what she thinks my name is, known as Radio Free Mormon, and as a retained lawyer for Delin and Open Stories Foundation. I'm not a retained lawyer. They haven't paid me any money. Okay, so when she says retained lawyer, I think John may have referred to me in some correspondence as a retained advisor. Whatever he means by that, by retain, it doesn't mean money. I've certainly talked to him and given him legal advice along the way as he's asked for it. 
So Blank, known as Radio Free Mormon and as a retained lawyer for Delin and Open Stories Foundation, downloaded evidence from this lawsuit, yes, and the court of Judge Robert Faust, yes, that was filed against Camp by Delin and Open Stories Foundation, and then posted the otherwise private video on his podcast. Well, right, other than the fact that it was public, it was private. So it was otherwise private until it was made public, and then I posted it because it was public. Authorizing the podcast as a fundraiser for his podcast. Yeah, it says fundraiser on it. If you note, every single podcast I have at Radio Free Mormon is marked as a fundraiser, because that's the point. He also has monetized off of the podcast as of the date of this filing. I suppose there might be a few pennies that have come through um, regarding the number of views that this video has had. Uh, it's certainly not a lot. I can't tell you exactly how much it all gets lumped together and then funneled out to me as a payment from uh, Mormon's discussions on a quarterly basis. But I would say uh, any money that has come to me from that is minimal at best. All right. So Open Stories Foundation has the copyright to all the videos shown on Radio Free Mormon's social media platforms. Really? Open Stories Foundation has the copyright to all the videos shown on my social media platforms, that's news to me, and has at no time exercised their copyright of the videos and demanded that they be taken down. Well, that much is true. On the contrary, Delin and Open Stories Foundation have suggested listeners and others go to the sites of Radio Free Mormon, their retained lawyer, I've already addressed that, to view the privately recorded board meeting and other privately submitted evidence and documents of camp to this court of Robert Faust and other courts and disciplinary councils. Look, I don't watch everything that John DeLynn does. I don't know if any human being, any single human being on the planet could because he puts out so much uh, material on a regular basis. And most of it's quite good, but I haven't followed it all. So I can't say that he's never suggested listeners and others go to my site to view the privately recorded board meeting. I don't know. I'm not aware of its having happened. That much I can say. Going on, Delin and Open Stories Foundation act innocent as they egregiously allow the untrue defamatory narrative of their retained lawyer, Radio Free Mormon, employees, and other contracted persons. What is this defamatory narrative of which she speaks? Well, she never quite gets around to defining it. She's just claiming it in hopes that the judge will agree with her simply because. She's claiming it happened without providing any evidence to show that it happened. It's kind of like what happened with her bar complaint against me. Paragraph 120. <clears throat> Though Camp has not posted about Delin in almost a year, Delin and the Open Stories Foundation, in conspiracy with Radio Free Mormon and Gerardo Sumano and others yet identified, have continued to frequently defame camp in comments, posts, and make lengthy defamatory videos regarding camp. I have made no defamatory comments, posts, or videos about Jen Camp. And by the way, truth is a defense. But mainly, I'm just reporting the facts. The facts don't make her look good. And that's what she's upset about. Even when shown evidence, and with her own educated knowledge, and even with camp's explicit demand to fix their false defamatory narrative, I'm not aware of any such demands. The individuals continue their conspiracy with DeLynn to defame, harm, and abuse the former victim of John DeLynn while DeLynn acts innocent. In addition, on February 12, 2023, Camp conducted an Instagram Live 
to speak with her followers, which included approximately six people. That's kind of an embarrassing admission, I think. I mean, if I were doing an Instagram Live and I only had six people who were watching, I would think that it might be time for me to pursue a different career. Going on, despite previous demands that Delin not contact Camp, he joined her Instagram Live without consent or approval. Camp repeatedly asked Delin to exit the Instagram Live, but he refused, remaining on the broadcast for approximately 45 seconds. Finally, Camp, well, apparently got off at some point. Finally, Camp was forced to pause the live and block the Lynn. Yeah, that's after he'd already left because it was a mistake. Oh, my gosh. He thought it had already been recorded. And he's reviewing, of course, all of her uh, podcasts and all of her public statements to collect evidence of further defamation against him. Um, on February 13th, 2023. Oh, wait a second. Oh, I, I skipped one. Camp had already blocked the Lynn on Instagram. Well, apparently it didn't work. But she did not know that Delin was using multiple accounts to view her Instagram page. Oh, so now it's multiple accounts. Okay, got it, Jen. On February 13th, 2023, as a result, I mean, if he's using multiple accounts, how did she know that he was there? If he's using multiple accounts, how did she know that he was there watching? It's because his name came up, because he was using his own account, because he thought it was already recorded and that it wasn't live. And he got off as soon as he realized it was live. On February 13th, 2023, as a result of Delin stalking Camp, excuse me, as a result of Delin stalking, Camp made all of her Facebook and Instagram accounts private and removed anyone she did not know or that could be using a fake account as Delin was doing. Now she says Delin was stalking her. There was a whole hearing on that, that she brought a motion to have this anti-stalking order against Delin made permanent and the judge, after hearing all the evidence, said, no, he wasn't stalking you. So there's actually already been a judicial ruling on that issue. She says, Delin was stalking her. We've already had a judge. It was Judge Coral Sanchez, I believe it was, who said, no, he was not stalking you. Jen Camp. That same day, emails from a website in Switzerland were sent to the owner, vice president, human resource department, receptionist, and other people at Camp's new workplace defaming her and falsely warning her new boss about her work ethic. Now, that is something that we've talked about before. I will say once again, I have no idea who sent this. I didn't send it. And um, it was inappropriate, I would think, for anybody to send that to her new employer. And yet, apparently, it happened. The emails contained false claims against Camp, saying she fabricated sexual harassment claims against Delin. That's kind of the whole meat of this lawsuit, isn't it? warned her employer as to whether she fabricated them or not, warned her employer of her behavior and included the confidential video of the August 30th, 2022 private board meeting, which is not confidential anymore. It's public, Jen. How many times do I have to tell you? Once it's filed with a lawsuit, it becomes public information unless a separate order is entered by the judge sealing that document and sealing that information and making it so that the public cannot access it. So apparently whoever sent this from Switzerland included in this email to her employer, her new employer, uh, the public video of the August 30th, 2022 private board meeting, which is now public, though that video had not been shared to the general public at that time, but it had been made public. Okay. Camp became afraid for her and her family's safety. Yeah, that's a normal reaction. Out of fear of Delin, Camp was scared to get out of her car at work 
and her husband was scared to leave the family to go to work. Okay. I'm kind of wondering if that last part's true. I mean, her husband's a firefighter. There's nothing she's even alleged that amounts to anything that would result in a reasonable person being scared to get out of their car at work or her husband being scared to leave the family to go to work. On February 14th, 2023, Camp received a stalking protective order against Delin. On February 16th, 2023, Camp's assistant informed her that Delin was liking and unliking Instagram posts of her main podcast, Instagram. Okay, uh, I'm not sure what that means. I would once again ask, how is it that Jen Camp's assistant could tell her that Delin was liking and unliking Instagram posts unless you could identify the person doing it as Delin, which would mean he's not using a sock puppet account. It's just on his regular account. So even here, it's undermining claims that she made earlier, even if true. And I certainly don't see how that ends up amounting to anything as far as defamation or anything actionable. On the afternoon of February 16th, 2023, Delin was personally served with a stalking protective order. Remember, that's the one that started that particular action that Jane Camp lost. The, new the next morning, Camp was served with this lawsuit, complaint and summons from OSF and Delin initiating the above captioned action. She keeps wanting to make it sound like she didn't know about this lawsuit until after she had served the um, stalking protective order on John Delin. It's critical to her to do that, even though we've already demonstrated, and I've mentioned it prior to this, that we have evidence, conclusive evidence, that she did know prior to February 16th that John DeLynn had filed this lawsuit against her. She just hadn't been served yet. The reason, once again, that she wants to put it in this order is because she wants to make it look like it was not retaliation for having a lawsuit filed against her that she went to a different court and then went, uh, filed her stalking protective order. That's why. The fact is, she did know that John DeLynn was filing a lawsuit before she was served because of my Facebook page where I put it and I had read it. And then she shows up and she makes a comment there on my Facebook page. So she knew that John DeLynn, she absolutely knew that John DeLynn had filed a lawsuit against her before she went and filed for her anti-stalking protective order. The very... That fact alone doesn't mean that it's retaliatory, all right? Things have to happen in a certain order. It makes it look like it could be retaliatory, the fact that she knows she's getting sued by John DeLynn and she goes to court and gets a, a temporary anti-stalking order, which she loses at the hearing, right? It only makes it look like it could be that way. But now that she's going through all of these gymnastics, and frankly, um, she's not telling the truth, okay? To make it look like she didn't know about the lawsuit until after she'd filed the, for the protective order. The fact that she's going through all of these gymnastics to make it look that way, to me, make it look more like it really was retaliation, her going to court and getting the no contact order, temporary order, after she knew she was going to be served or sued by John DeLynn. The more she tries to do this, the more it looks like she actually was being retaliatory. Going on, the next morning, Camp was served with this lawsuit complaint and summons from OSF and Delin initiating the above captioned action. Okay, on March 7th, 2023, the hearing was held on Camp's civil stalking injunction against Delin. That's the one that she lost, where the judge found that, no, he was not stalking you. During the hearing, Delin, through his counsel, 
introduced evidence that was manipulated and edited. His legal counsel accused Camp of not reporting abusive and harmful behavior because she didn't, not until after the board meeting. And the board meeting, the purpose of the board meeting was for her to tell the board what her complaints were against John DeLynn. She never brings up anything about harassment, sexual or non-sexual, never. And so now she's trying to come up with a reason for why it is that she didn't when you would expect her to. His legal counsel accused Camp of not reporting abusive and harmful behavior. Unknown to his counsel, DeLynn had stitched and manipulated the videos to make it appear Camp had visually and audibly said complete thoughts she never did. You see, she can't lose the lawsuit because she wasn't stalking him. It had to be manipulation coming from the other side. There had to be bad actions by John DeLynn. And if indeed Jen Camp knew this, I mean, she's got a lawyer at this hearing. That's what her lawyer's for, is to make sure that that doesn't happen. I don't think it happened. I wasn't there, but I don't think it happened. I think she's looking for a fig leaf to explain why it is that she lost that hearing, even though she was in the right. This and other manipulated and altered evidence, along with evidence Camp gave her counsel that unfortunately was not submitted to court, so now she's going to blame her lawyer. The court was persuaded to take away the stalking protection order. Correct. Judge Sanchez did report in her final statement that she found no malice in Camp for seeking a protection order against DeLynn. That context was uh, OSF, no, John DeLynn, because he's the only uh, defendant in this action, had gone to court and asked for attorney's fees be paid by Camp to DeLynn for bringing this action. And one of the things you have to find is malice. And the judge said she couldn't find enough evidence of malice, so she found no malice in Camp for seeking a protection order against DeLynn. So she's going to try and use that as a fig leaf. But she lost the hearing because there was no stalking, at least as found by the judge. Relying on underhanded tactics and false evidence like those which led to the dissolution of the civil stalking injunction, on March 9th, 2023, Radio Free Mormon claimed victory in all lawsuits involving camp, again furthering the narrative for DeLynn. We'll get to that here in a second. It's a post that I made on ex-Mormon Reddit, and we'll see if it really stacks up to what it is she's claiming I said. Traumatized and in shock from the smear campaign orchestrated by DeLynn, Camp became physically ill and was forced to seek medical procedures and surgeries. Along with ongoing therapy since the child sexual abuse outing on the live podcast by DeLynn, yeah, the child sex abuse outing that wasn't an outing, DeLynn and the smear campaign he conspired continues to cause Camp's psychological and physiological harm. Well, she's going to have to present evidence if this case goes forward of the medical procedures and the surgeries that she had to go through because she became physically ill due to the trauma of people telling the truth about what really happened. RFM, Gerardo Sumano, and others unnamed at this time continue to conspire with DeLynn in posts, comments, podcasts on multiple platforms to advance DeLynn's fabricated narrative. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I just want to mention that there is no conspiracy going on. And frankly, I haven't been that interested in this civil lawsuit, except for the fact it was originally filed. And I did a couple of podcasts about that where I basically just read the lawsuits themselves or put up video documents once they had been made public by being filed with the court. 
And of course, I've done some podcasts about Jen Camp filing a bar complaint against me and then asking that it be reconsidered and getting a friend of hers, J.L. Cox, I believe it was, to also file a bar complaint against me. Yeah, I'm going to do a podcast. Definitely, when you reach out and you try and impact me, Jen Camp, like you're doing with this motion, and that's why I'm doing this podcast today. But no, there's been no conspiracy, believe me. I am doing this of my own accord because I want to, because I think it's important that people know what it is you're up to and that uh, the truth and transparency is what will lead to a better understanding of what's really going on here, rather than what you're proposing, which is to shut me down, have my videos taken down, and basically gag me so that I can't talk anymore about what you're doing, Jen. So once again, 137, RFM, Gerardo Samano and others unnamed at this time continue to conspire with DeLynn in post comments podcasts on multiple platforms to advance DeLynn's fabricated narrative. RFM abused his position as an attorney. I'm sorry, the Washington State Bar disagrees with you on that allegation as well, Jen. Abused his position as an attorney and offered a faux legal opinion, labeling Camp as a liar and proclaiming victory for DeLynn in posts along with Gerardo Sumano and others. Now I'm going to go, actually, I'm not going to go there right now because I have to go to the end of the document. I'll get there when I get there. Just keep it in mind. I'll show you the post. We've gone over them before. The harm and abuse of the false narrative orchestrated by Delin and RFM and in conspiracy with others like Sumano has continued frequently for over 17 months against camp and to this day is ongoing. The harm also spreads to Camp's family and loved ones because of Open Stories Foundation's choice to not investigate properly before continuing the narrative of an abusive and harmful man. I think that the only thing, or at least the main thing that's relative to this lawsuit, that Open Stories Foundation did not investigate properly was Jane Camp's background in hiring her to work for them in the first place. The egregious actions of DeLynn, the Open Stories Foundation, Radio Free Mormon, and Gerardo Sumano collaborating to defame camp cause harm and perpetuate a cycle of abuse while allowing DeLynn to maintain an appearance of innocence represent an ongoing threat to the post-Mormon space. So now I represent a threat to you. So says Jen Camp. This calculated harm extends beyond camp to other victims of DeLynn and sustains support for an individual with a well-established history of causing harm and abuse within a vulnerable community of people in crisis. Yeah, these are a lot of words. Do you have any evidence to back any of this up, Jen? Failing to intervene and issue a truthful warning about this manipulative conspiracy would betray the trust Camp has in the post-Mormon community she values. So remember how she tried to shame the Bar Association into disbarring me? I can't believe that an attorney in Washington can get away with this kind of stuff and victimize me, that kind of language. She's using the same kind of stuff now with the judge there, Judge Faust. And she's addressing him directly in this sentence, failing to intervene and issue a truthful warning about this manipulative conspiracy, i.e. you need to grant my motion, would betray the trust Camp has in the post-Mormon community she values. So apparently she feels she has trust in the post-Mormon community, and unless the judge grants her motion to add me and Gerardo as parties, then that would somehow be 
um, a failure to intervene and allow this manipulative conspiracy to go on. And it would hurt her reputation in the post-Mormon community. Though I think that's getting more and more difficult to do, i.e. hurt her reputation. Despite, oh, this is interesting, despite the substantial personal cost of fighting the litigation expenses, which have exceeded $200,000, and the imminent sale of her beloved farm, rendering her unable to afford legal representation due to financial losses, Camp remains steadfast in refusing the plaintiff's demands to settle and retract her untruthful statements. Oh, excuse me, and retract her truthful statements. I read it the way it should have been written. And warnings to women within the post-Mormon space. So she's alleging right now that she is out over $200,000 in attorney's fees that she's paid up to this point. The imminent sale of her beloved farm. Apparently, they got to sell that to satisfy the obligations they have to their attorneys. So if this is correct, if this is more correct than the allegation that I lived in Summit County, Utah, if this is correct, yeah, she's out a lot of money. And of course, she's been represented by a high-profile law firm, at least until they withdrew. It's going to cost a lot of money. Lawsuits are expensive business. And I think Jen Camp has figured that out for herself. And maybe she should have considered that before launching on this particular avenue of action. Um, her unwavering commitment arises. This is why she has paid out all this money. This is why she has refused to settle and retract her statements. Her unwavering commitment arises from a deep love for the community and a personal desire to shield the next victim from the harms and abuses she and her family and friends have endured at the hands of Delin and those colluding with him. Delin, who falsely assumes the role of a healing, self-proclaimed post-Mormon prophet, that's in quotation marks. I got to stop here. Once again, I've never listened to everything that John Delin has put out. All I've ever heard him say is that he's not a prophet. <laughs> he shouldn't be looked at as a leader of this community. But she's saying that he said, self-proclaimed, he said that he's a post-Mormon prophet. I, I suppose he might have said it in jest at some point, and I don't recall it or didn't see it. But this is ridiculous. Once again, she's making stuff up or mischaracterizing it so badly that it amounts to the same thing. She also says he perpetuates a distressing 13-plus year pattern of mistreating and abusing women in close association with him. This pattern must stop. And Delin and those who conspire with him must be held responsible before the manipulation, abuse, and harm becomes too great for an individual or group to endure. Then she's got a bunch of claims for relief. I'm not going to go through all of these because they're, uh, I'll just go through uh, a brief synopsis of each one. First claim for relief is intentional infliction of emotional distress. It says things like um, counter defendants and each of them either personally or through their agents engaged in and subjected camp to outrageous and intolerable conduct defending general accepted standards of decency and morality, including by disclosing on a podcast without camp's consent or permission that she had been the victim of sexual abuse as a child. Okay. Oh, second claim for relief, false light portrayal. Counter defendants publicized a matter concerning camp that placed her before the public in a false light. Yeah, that's called the truth. The truth is what puts you in that 
light, that bad light. It's not a false light. It's a true light portrayal, Jen. If it makes you look bad, that's your problem. Third claim for relief, invasion of privacy, publication of private facts. Counter defendants publicly disclosed facts regarding Camp without her consent or permission, including that she had been the victim of sexual abuse as a child. Fourth claim for relief, uh, defamation. Counter defendants published statements about Camp, including that she had failed to perform her job duties, purportedly requiring OSF and Dillon to rely on donor support to pay litigations. Right. I My understanding is, and I haven't seen the documentation on this particularly, I'll just say that my understanding is that while she was employed there, one of her duties was to get the mail, was to take care of clerical um, issues and tasks, including renewing the insurance policy that OSF had outstanding and had had for some time prior to that. So she apparently received this um, notice that they have to renew, happens every year, and she didn't tell anybody about it and she let the insurance policy lapse, which means that now John DeLynn doesn't have insurance to pay for his attorney's fees, but he has to, and OSF as well, but they, act, they actually have to pay the attorney out of their pockets because Jen Camp did not renew the insurance policy when she was supposed to and when she was employed there, and that was part of her job duties. That's what she's talking about here. Um, she says, I'm going to read it again, that counter defendants published statements about Camp, including that she had failed to perform her job duties, purportedly requiring OSF and Dillon to rely on donor support to pay litigation expenses. Interesting, she doesn't call that a false claim in this. She calls other claims false claims, not this one. I wonder why. Oh, no, she does say it here. The statements that counter-defendant published about camp were false. Okay, well, we'll see if that's true. That will come out in court, and I think the facts are probably going to show that, no, it's not false. Fifth claim for relief. Counter-defendants published statements about camp, including that she had failed to perform her job duties, purportedly requiring OS Heaven to lend to rely on donor support to pay litigation and expenses. So this is defamation per se. Um, intentional inference. Intentional interference with economic relations. That's her sixth claim for relief. Seventh claim for relief, breach of contract. Eighth claim for relief, unjust enrichment. Ninth claim for relief, negligent hiring, supervision, retention. I think that might apply as to Jen Camp, but I don't think that's the way she means it in this claim for relief. I think she's talking about maybe other employees other than herself. 10th claim for relief, civil conspiracy against all counter defendants. 11th claim for relief, intentional misrepresentation. Yeah, intentional misrepresentation. Yeah, it means you know something is not true and you say it anyway. You know, like that I've lived in Summit County, Utah. That would be an intentional misrepresentation. I have never made any intentional misrepresentations against Jane Camp. And the way things have played out, it looks like all the representations I've made are spot on and true. 12th claim for relief, negligent misrepresentation. So not just intentional misrepresentation, but negligent misrepresentation. Again, I don't think I've negligently misrepresented anything. I don't think I've misrepresented anything at all. And if so, would she be good enough to point it out? That's all I'm asking. Show me where I did that. And I'll, I'll at least have something I can respond to instead of just a blanket allegation. And then the civil tier, where it goes in the court system, dated January 15th, 2024, we're on page 35, signed electronically, Jennifer Ruth Camp. 
Oh, and then this last page is interesting. She has a certificate of service here. This is on page 36. The problem is this is what happens when you can you when you use a template that's been used for something else and you want to revise it and use it for a different means. You've got to make sure that you change everything in the template to reflect the new usage. It doesn't look like she did that here because here she should be saying, I certify that I served a true and correct copy of the foregoing, what motion to uh, file counterclaims and add parties, right? That's the title of it, but that's not what she has here. She says, defendant Jennifer Camp's third set of discovery requests to plaintiffs. That's the tell that this was a template that was originally used for that purpose. She, re she modified it to make this motion out of it, but she forgot to change the certificate of service. It's not dispositive anyway. It's not like that's going to get the lawsuit dismissed, but it shows me that she was using a template. Okay. And they're dated this 15th day of January, 2024. Again, Ruth Camp. Evidence included, but not limited to, defamation YouTube videos by RFM against Camp. And she has up there, look at that. Jen Camp loses bar complaint against RFM. How is that defamatory against her? Jen Camp tries to get RFM disbarred. How is that defamatory against her? Jen Camp versus John DeLynn, the anti-stalking hearing. I didn't say anything in that. All I did was I released the audio. That was it. It was four hours long. No commentary, just introduction and uh, a closing. Jen Camp loses anti-stalking petition against John DeLynn. No, that was simply a report that it had happened. And then, strangely, she's got uh, Mormonism Live, episode 115, Mormon Cinema. Why on earth would we have been talking about Jen Camp in that? I have no idea. I don't think we did. I guess it's possible there was an offhand comment. Um, 266, John DeLynn files countersuit against Jen Camp. That's where I read the countersuit. Right. Okay, got it. So I'm not exactly sure why it is that she's saying that's defamation, but mainly because she wants the judge to believe it's defamation. There's no facts in any of this, in any of these recordings that would support that allegation. And then defamation, TikTok and YouTube short videos against camp. She has two of them. I looked at them. And one of them, of course, is the one where I announced that there was going to be a hearing on this anti-stalking lawsuit. And then another one, it's TikTok. It's less than 60 seconds. I guess it could be up to three minutes, but it's very short. I try and keep them short. And the second one was announcing that she'd lost the anti-stalking hearing. So I don't see how any of that is defamatory. It's called reporting the truth. Okay. So I'm going to go through. Here we go. Now, this is what I had posted on ex-Mormon Reddit many, many months ago now. Uh, it's getting like a year ago now. And this is what she is saying is defamation. By the way, I'm going to go to this next one because I think this is how they occur in order. This one first, Jen Camp has to make as much hay as she can before the evidence comes out. Because remember, Jen Camp is the one that started going on her own podcast that she created and started reading her complaint against John DeLynn and airing this dirty laundry and making all these defamatory claims against John DeLynn and against OSF. That's what started everything. And that was back at the end of 2022. I believe it was. It was well in advance of any filing of lawsuits. In fact, that's why OSF filed a lawsuit against her was because she was continuing in an ongoing pattern of defaming them publicly. All right. So that was the subject of this thread over at ex-Mormon Reddit. And uh, I wrote this. Jane Camp has to make as much hay as she can before the evidence comes out. 
There is a great deal of documentary evidence that will demonstrate she is being disingenuous and hasn't a leg to stand on. I have reviewed it. I expect nobody to take my word for it, but remember you heard it here first. Until then, Jen has only innuendo to rely on. Go, Jen, go. All right. Nothing defamatory in that at all. Just giving my opinion based upon the evidence. And someone had said that I was assuming. that That's my assumption. And this is my response to that. It is not an assumption. It is my considered legal opinion after carefully reviewing the mountain of hard evidence in this case. By the way, this is the hard evidence that Jen Camp doesn't want you to know about. This is the hard evidence that she's been doing everything she can to get taken down off the internet. So you can't see it. So you can't see that the way she's characterizing these different meetings, this hearing in court, don't line up with the way things really happened. That's why she's trying to get them taken down. I take no one's word for anything, going back to my post. I take no one's word for anything. I am interested only in the facts and how they stack up against Ms. Camp's claims. And the fact is the hard evidence contradicts Ms. Camp's claims on every front. Again, I ask nobody to take my word for it. I believe that once the facts become known, you will better understand why this is my position. That's it. Defamation, not even close. And then she includes, oh, this was the first one I had read. Oh, and I'd also say, would that be the attorney who just fired her? Because somebody was referencing her attorney. And uh, she had just been fired by her attorney. Her attorney had just withdrawn. They parted ways at that time. That was before she got the new set of attorneys that just withdrew a few weeks ago. Other found evidences, she says. Now, she's got a bunch of things in here that don't make any sense. She says, evidence. And she puts up here on the Mormon Reddit, not the ex-Mormon Reddit, but the Mormon Reddit, a poll that someone did, RFM and Bill Real, is it right for them to be involved in, in the Delin Camp drama? I got no idea what... Uh, evidence that is. It's a poll. And I'm going to scroll down through this because I want to get to Gerardo Sumano. He made one post as well in that ex-Mormon Reddit. Here we go. So this is her evidence against Gerardo Sumano and why she thinks she should be able to sue him for defamation. Attending all depositions. So apparently he went to all the depositions though not a party to the lawsuit. So, per John DeLynn's deposition, Gerardo was the accountant who put together the supposed losses for the Open Stories Foundation and John DeLynn having no financial background and using unfounded estimates on loss. The calculations were ridiculously low, at best needing a small claims court, and were unfounded with concrete evidence at this time. His calculations and lack of true evidence to back up his claims have caused Camp egregious financial loss and defamation. That's nonsense. That is not, even the way it's written doesn't make any sense. That because Gerardo did calculations in order to try and estimate John DeLynn's loss and she disagrees with those, that that is egregious financial loss being caused to Camp and defamation to her, that's crazy. Now she goes on, acting as an abuse advocate while allowing a pattern of harm and abuse within the Open Stories Foundation. Oh, that's toward John DeLynn. Article with the same lawyer who Gerardo in his deposition stated he helped the group conspire with synchronized comments to post on Reddit with defamatory statements against Camp. Yeah, well, there's no conspiracy. But Gerardo, as well as uh, Kara, I believe, 
posted comments on the same thread on ex-Mormon Reddit. It's hard to find it now because they took it down some time back. But here's a screenshot. This is what Gerardo says. This is what Jane Camp says is defamation and why Gerardo should be allowed to be sued by her. Here's what he says. As someone who has read Jen's demand letter, reviewed the evidence, and has firsthand experience working for the OSF for several years, I have never been more certain about standing with John. I believe the evidence overwhelmingly disproves the claims. That's not defamation, Jen. You see, for Jen, defamation is anybody who says something that disagrees with her point of view. That's defamation for her. And those people should not be allowed to voice their opinions publicly. They should be allowed to be sued by Jen for defamation and pay the price for disagreeing with her. Okay, well, I think that that is about it. Let me just see here. Yeah, that is the last page, page 49 of this 49-page document. And just wanted to keep you up to speed on what's going on here at Radio Free Mormon. Apparently, I can't keep out of the court system. Just when I think I'm out, Jen pulls me back in. So now that she can't get me disbarred, she's going to try and sue me. We'll see what happens with this motion. I think the odds are that considering the fact that it's been denied twice before, it will be denied a third time. The only question I think is whether the judge is going to sanction her and make her pay the costs for John DeLynn's attorney to have to respond to a motion that's already been denied two times before. That, I think, is more likely than that the judge is going to grant this. I'll let you know what happens as soon as I find out. Please hit like. Please hit subscribe. And by the way, please go to the RadioFreeMormon.org webpage. Hit donate. Make a monthly recurring contribution if you would. $5 a month is all I ask. If you can do more than that, great. But $5 is wonderful. Thank you so much to all of those of you who do contribute, do support, do donate to Radio Free Mormon. Oh, and one other thing I want to mention is that I've got a couple of other podcasts that are new. There's Mormon Sunday School, which is going out on a weekly basis where I'm covering the Come Follow Me manual on the Book of Mormon, which is the source of study this year. I just recorded my fourth lesson on that. That'll be going up this weekend. And also check out the Brush Up Your Shakespeare podcast, which I'm doing. I'm also going to record the fourth episode for that as well. So. There's lots of stuff that I'm busy doing, putting out lots of content. I hope you're enjoying it. Thank you for donating. If you haven't donated yet, please do so today. And that's about all for now. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.